Good morning. My brothers and sisters, those loved by the King. It is so good to be with you this morning. Um, have you ever had to learn something new? Most of us, I say, would have, because we're all here and walking, so I'm sure we had to learn something at some point. But when you're learning something new, isn't it really nice to have like an example that you can like look at to like know how to do it? Um, now, I mean, that's kind of why I love Lego instructions, because I think they're just genius, like they give you the picture and everything. But um, I've had the privilege of teaching disc golf to a few groups of kids. I mean, I love disc golf. Anybody else love disc golf? No? Wow, nobody. It's frisbee golf, maybe a couple. Anyways, I love the sport. It's really great. It's a lot of fun. So I've had a chance to teach it. Uh, and so you come and you give a kid a disc and you tell them about it and you tell them how to hold it. You tell them how to position themselves and how to like wind up and, and all that stuff and, and the putting and how to do that and all the form technique. And you let them throw it a little bit, trying to, trying to get a, a bit of an idea for it. Uh, and then what I like to do is I like to go get one of my own discs and I take it and I wind up and I just throw it as far as I possibly can. And the kids are just like, Ooh. I mean, and I don't do it just because of like, you know, it feels great that all these kids are just like, oh yes, you're awesome. Um, I do it because I want to show them what's possible, right? To give them something to be like, whoa, I could do that? I could throw it that far? I mean, I can't really actually throw it that far, just saying. Um, but why do we need examples like that? Well, it's, it's so that we can like check in, so that we can measure ourselves against something. Right, so that we can check back to it, see how we're doing, kind of compare a little bit, and, and really to give us something to strive for, to attain, to say that's the goal that I'm trying to get to, to be like that or to be able to do that. And so right now as a church, um, we are looking at the Holy Spirit. And we believe as a church that we've been called to make Jesus known. First, make Jesus known to ourselves, <laughs> to our, our body, our flesh, our mind, um, and then also to make Jesus known to the world around us. And the best way, and the only way, actually, I would submit that you can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. So what would you say if I told you everything Jesus did in his life on earth was through the power of the Holy Spirit? everything that he did. Because Jesus is our example, right? Like as believers, as Christians, we follow Christ. You know, that's another way of saying that you're a believer, that I'm a Christ follower, someone who we look to as our example, the person that we strive to be like, be like Christ, we say. And Jesus, in his whole life and ministry, did everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what Jesus' call was to us, right? To follow him. He said that to his disciples over and over again. Follow me. Step where I step. Walk where I walk. Do the things that I do. I mean, in 1 Peter 2, Jesus, it, it literally says, Jesus left us an example to follow in his steps. So this is a call for all of us who believe. We look to Jesus as our template and our lives should be marked by the same things that mark his life. And one thing that you can't get around is that everything Jesus did in his life and ministry was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus didn't use any of his God powers, 
If we say Jesus was God in human form, he didn't use his God powers, if you want to use that term, all his divine attributes and abilities. Yes, we believe Jesus was fully God, fully man. There's a hypostatic union thing. I'm not arguing that at all. But Jesus set aside those divine rights and abilities and attributes. And this is what it says in Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It says that he emptied himself. He became nothing. He gave up equality with God. He was made in human likeness. I like how the NLT says it. He said he gave up his divine privileges. So he did not use his God powers when he was here on earth. He walked in perfect step with the Holy Spirit. Because this is what Jesus even says of, of himself in John chapter five, in verse 19. He says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. And then later in verse 30 he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. So this is what Jesus said. He said he did nothing in his own, in his whole ministry. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. Jesus was looking to God for his example and for his cues. And I believe that Jesus gave up his God powers, his divine rights and abilities, so that he could completely relate with us as humans. But I also believe he gave up his divine rights and abilities to give us an example of what's possible as a human walking in step with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at his life. Let's look at Jesus' life. So from the very beginning, think about it. Jesus' birth, what happens? It says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. It was the Holy Spirit that planted that life inside of her. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You could say he was birthed in the Holy Spirit. From, so from day one, Jesus' life is marked by the Holy Spirit. And as he grew up, we don't get many glimpses and pictures of Jesus as like the, you know, teenage, awkward, acne boy at all. But we do have one in, in Matthew. Um, in, uh, I totally lost my spot. Luke, actually, it's not in Matthew. That's why I messed up. Um, in Luke chapter two, it says this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Jesus grew in wisdom. That means he didn't have all wisdom. Jesus had to learn things as the Holy Spirit revealed and grew him. It says he grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. Who is the one who teaches? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus was walking in perfect step with him. I love what the theologian Basil, or Basil says. He says it this way, that Jesus was not on his own, but he had the Spirit as his inseparable companion his inseparable companion, and I just love the imagery that brings, that closeness, that bond, that camaraderie. And so we see this as Jesus steps into his ministry. I mean, at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit, it says, he was dunked, and he comes up, and the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of something that maybe resembled a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was just, that's what it looked like at the time. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus uh, in a way that marks something specifically. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the Holy Spirit before his baptism. But this 
The sending of the Holy Spirit was signifying something. It was signifying a new chapter in Jesus' life. This was like the, the commissioning. They're like, all right, here we go. Now we're starting this new phase of the public ministry of Jesus. I really love how Colette Baudet described this kind of thing in her life. She was one of our international workers who just passed away this last year, man, after just a beautiful life of service to Jesus. Um, but she would describe it in this way. She would say, like, God, what's my next assignment? What's the next assignment that you have for me, God? And the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in this visible way, and there's a voice from heaven saying, hey, this is my son, you know, I'm well pleased, listen to him, do what he, do what he says, because he's kind of, kind of important. Kind of thing. This is God saying that Jesus is starting the next phase, the next assignment in his ministry. So what is your next assignment from God? But what does the Spirit do right after Jesus' baptism? So he's baptized, spirit descends, da-da-da, and then it says the spirit drives him, like drives is the word it uses, into a full-on battle with the enemy. Now you think about it, it's not that you know, Jesus is like, all right, starting my public ministry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take on some low-level demons here and we're gonna work it out. No, straight into full-on warfare with the top dog, with Satan himself. Jesus was going there and saying, hey, we're taking back ground and we're doing it now. The kingdom is here, claiming authority. It's pretty cool, it's pretty awesome. But he's following this lead of the Spirit. After the temptation of Jesus in the desert, overcomes that, comes back, and it says in Luke 4, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Saying that this was his ministry, was Jesus returned and walked into this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this good report went about all throughout the surrounding country towards what he was doing. And all these miraculous things that Jesus was doing, the insight that he was given to know what people were thinking was all through the power of the Holy Spirit. To drive out demons was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus even attests to that. Um, in Matthew 12, 28, he says, it was by the Spirit of God that I drive out evil spirits, the demons. But see, it wasn't even just the miracles. It was all parts of Jesus' life. Even his death and sacrifice. This is what it says in Hebrews um, chapter 9, verse 14. He says this, For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus even gave himself as a sacrifice for us, for our sins. Everything he did was through the power of the Holy Spirit and working in his life. Now, I don't know about you, but at this point, I'm just kind of like, was there anything that Jesus did by himself without the power of the Holy Spirit? And Jesus is like, no. Jesus says, I don't do anything on my own. And so if this is Jesus' life, that he wasn't doing anything on his own, where do we get the idea that we can do things on our own? That, that we can walk into this on our own, in our own strength? When Jesus walked in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet we think, well, I can, I can do it. You know, you can earn the living or provide or whatever it might be. But God is the very one who gives you breath, who made you, who holds your very being together moment by moment. He's the creator and the sustainer of the entire world, the universe, the stars, and the galaxies. Let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that we can sustain ourselves. 
is only by the goodness and the grace of God. And for believers, just this most wonderful good gift that God gives, because all good things come from the Father in heaven. So if you have anything good in your life, that is a gift from him. All good things come from him. And the most wonderful gift that he's given us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those believe. The very spirit of Jesus living and breathing and working and moving within us. I mean, it's, when you start thinking about it and trying to grasp it, it's just like, it's so big. It's beyond complete understanding. That he is energizing your very being to life. Which is exactly what he did to Jesus as well. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was raised from the dead. In Romans 8, 11, it says, moreover, the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The one who raised Christ from the dead, he will also make your mortal bodies alive through the spirit who lives in you. Like, I don't know if there is a adequate enough description to describe that power that he's given as a gift that lives within us to, to grow us and to build us. Like a mighty rushy, rushing wind, like a mighty wave, like a raging fire. There's just so many things that just, I still feel like it falls short, just the true power that the Holy Spirit has. And that spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. I mean, I, I think sometimes I take that for granted, or I forget. You know, as, as I was thinking about this, in this last year I came across this verse, which I never really noticed before. Um, I mean, I know I've read it before, but I never looked at it through this lens. Um, there's this, in Acts chapter one, verse one and two, very beginning of the book. Um, and this is Luke writing. In the first book, O Theophilus, who he's writing to, I have dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Even the commands, the instruction, the teaching that Jesus gave was through the Holy Spirit to his disciples, to those who followed him. Christ's whole life and ministry was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you might be thinking, well, that's all well and good, but I'm not Jesus. <laughs> that was Jesus. I'm just a sinful, human, broken person. I mean, it's true, you're not Jesus. But it wasn't just for Jesus. Jesus even tells the disciples, he like pre-warns them. He's like, hey guys, this is gonna happen. This is what he says in uh, John 14, verse 17. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. The spirit was with Jesus, and Jesus was dwelling with the disciples for those three years of teaching. He's saying, you know him because he's been dwelling with you for these three years. But, then he says, he dwells with you, but he then, he will be in you. Right now, Jesus is like, he's dwelling with you, but when my Father sends him, he will be in you, in your very being. It was a promise that Jesus made, and you know if Jesus makes a promise, 
it's yes and amen. It's gonna happen. And I mean, we see that, right? We see the Holy Spirit come at Pentecost and fill the disciples, those who follow Jesus. And they go and they preach and they teach and they're witnesses to Jesus' life, his death and resurrection. They go throughout the world, healing, prophesying, proclaiming God's goodness, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Acts is, is full of stories. Not just of the disciples, but regular people, regular broken, sinful human beings like me, that God uses, that he pours the Holy Spirit out upon and, and flows through them. I mean, Peter, right after the Holy Spirit descends on them and they speak in tongues and all that stuff, Peter gets up and he gives a message and he preaches, and he preaches this fact. Everybody's like, whoa, Peter, what are we supposed to do now? And this is Peter's response. He says this, repent each one of you in Acts chapter two and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, your children, all who are far away, as many as the Lord God will call to himself. He's like, yeah, it's for you, and it's for your children, and it's for anyone who's far away. And you know what? It's for everybody who the Lord God's going to call. And have you been called by the Lord? This is not just for the elite few. It is for all of us, as many as the Lord will call. This is our inheritance as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we live and breathe and minister this is our very life. In Galatians 5, 25, it says this, if we live by the Spirit, if we have our very living and breathing by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we have life by the Spirit, if we have new life by the Spirit, let us keep in step with Him. Let us walk in step with Him. Let's follow His leading in every area of our life. Okay, but how do we do that? <laughs> What does that look like on a day-to-day -day kind of thing? How do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we live this life like Jesus did, with the Spirit as our inseparable companion? Well, well first off, what I want to say is it's an invitation. It's an invitation to you. The Holy Spirit wants willing participants. His invitation is to partner with him in what he's doing in this world. The Holy Spirit invites, he prompts, he calls, he beckons, he says, follow me. But you have a choice. We have a choice to follow, obey, to listen, and to act. Whereas the enemy is the opposite of that. He hijacks, he takes over, makes unwilling participants. But the Holy Spirit just invites and says, come, walk with me. Let me show you something. He wants willing participants. I mean, Jesus didn't force anyone to follow him, did he? No, he said, follow me. And some guys were like, well, I can't, you can't do it. So he went to somebody else and said, follow me. There was a response to obey, to walk in step. But I have four steps, four steps to walk in step. Here we go. Um, to kind of help us on this journey. 
And the first one is this, to surrender. To surrender your life, your will. Let Jesus take control. I mean, if, if maybe you have never given your life to Jesus before, here's an opportunity where he's saying, hey, come follow me. Come and see that I'm good and I have good things for your life. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long, long time. Maybe this is just saying, you know what? Jesus, I need to surrender more and deeper and another level of control in my life over to you. I mean, this is like a daily prayer for me. I surrender, Lord, over to you. Your will, not my will. And isn't it interesting that that's what Jesus prayed in the garden, right? Like if Jesus prayed that, of that surrender prayer, Lord, not your will, but my will, or not my will, but your will. If Jesus prayed that, I think that's what we should also be praying. Surrendering over control to him as the Lord of our life, recognizing that he knows what's best. I don't. I mean, you could pray a simple prayer like this, Lord, I surrender to you every area of my life. The next step would be to confess. I mean, I don't know if there's anything in our life that will get us out of step with the Spirit quicker than sin in our lives. Sin is basically anything that goes against what God has for us. It is falling short, it's missing the mark of what he's asked. Um, and I mean, this is our lifestyle as believers, is to confess and repent of our sin. In our former way of life, we would sin and we'd hide. You know, like Adam and Eve in the garden, we'd sin and we'd hide, we'd be like, oh no, what are we gonna do? But now it's, you know, if we sin, we mess up, we confess, we acknowledge it before Christ, and it's forgiven. And we move on and we keep walking in step with the Spirit. Because I think what often we do is we forget that sin is chains. Sin is prison. It binds us. And Jesus came to set us free from sin. It's not freedom to do whatever you want. No, because, you know, that's not always the best. Um, but it's freedom from sin to life. So we need to confess to keep in step with the Spirit. And I, and I think, when I, keep, when I think about keeping in step with the Spirit, I kind of think about marching. Like, if you've ever, ever been marching, and to keep in step with whoever, you know, left, left, you know, nobody sang that song before? Um, keeping in step with the Spirit. You know, you can get out of step. You know, you're marching off beat. You know, you're out of, out of sync with the Spirit. But the beautiful thing is that a little stutter step or a confession of your sin, you get back in step, back in line with the Spirit. It's, it's not super hard, it just takes us humbling ourselves and saying, I was wrong, you were right, Lord. We need to confess our sin. The third one is we need to ask. We need to ask the Spirit to fill us, to lead us, to guide us. I love in the New Testament when the disciples had been kind of put in trouble because they'd been preaching to Jesus and the synagogue leaders were like, no, this is, you gotta stop, you can't do this, da, da, da. And they go back to the church and they're like, pray for more boldness so that we can preach more. And they asked. They asked the Spirit to fill them with boldness and courage and strength to follow what he was asking them to do. So let's ask. Ask him to reveal what he wants you to step into. Ask him to give you the courage and the strength to walk through that, to follow his lead. And the last one, which is kind of the, 
clinch pin of the whole thing is to obey. Because you can know what you're supposed to do and not do it. I know, that's a story from my life. We need to obey what he's asked us to do, to walk in obedience. I, th- I think of the verse where everybody knows that it's famous, you know, go therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we kind of stop there sometimes. But it goes on to say, teaching them to obey. The obedience part is key. First off, we need to obey what we read in Scripture. God has given us some pretty great rails, if you want, to run on of how to treat our possessions, how to treat those around us, how to view money, all these kind of things. We need to just listen and follow in what he leads in that. And then we also need to listen and follow when the Spirit prompts us to step into things. Yes, I recognize some of those things can sometimes be scary. Um, A few years ago, when I was starting to walk down this road of like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna follow what you're prompting and and your leadings in my life. Um, I I read this verse and it kind of hit me in in a different way. It's in Galatians 5, and I mean the first part of that passage talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which we're gonna talk about next week, so come back for that, it's gonna be awesome. Um, But it says in, in 516, it says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't give in to the flesh if you're walking by the Spirit. You can't because the two are in contrast with one another. And so I started thinking about it and I was like, okay, so if I'm following you, you you won't lead me wrong in any of these areas, in any area of my life, with my wife, my kids, at work, friends, whatever. If I'm following the leading of the Spirit in those areas, he's not gonna lead me wrong. And so then I kind of like threw up one of those like half- half prayer situation things where I was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll try that out, Lord. Like, I'll, let's try it, you know, kind of, maybe. Um, we'll kind of test him, test him in this. And so one day I was driving my boys to school. This is a few years ago. We had about a 20-minute drive to school. So get in the vehicle, you know, turn on the road, and they were, we're just driving away. And all of a sudden I had this prompting from the Spirit to, to tell my boys the story of Daniel. And I was like, like, now? Like, at home later or what? I was like, you know, like just from memory, I guess, because I can't read my Bible while I'm driving. That would be irresponsible as a parent. So the best that I could remember, I just told them the story of Daniel and what happened and what God did and, and all that kind of stuff and finished the story. There's like a, a moment of silence. And then my son was like, hmm. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> he just asked a very like insightful, deep question. I was like, oh. And then we, were, we had this beautiful 20-minute, com- well, it wasn't 20 minutes by that time, but a 15-minute conversation of just what that meant in his life. And I remember, like, dropping them off and, and starting to drive away and just being like, wow, God, you knew that he was in the exact right place to hear that, to receive that, and to process through it. And I was just like, I need to walk in step with you more. If this is how you're going to lead me in my life, in small areas like this, I'm like, I want more of this. Because it's, it's leading me into to, to goodness and just his glory. And I mean, honestly, just his grace that, you know, he would prompt me in that to, because he cared for my son that way. Um, so, 
What step do you need to take? What step do you need to take today? I mean, they're not necessarily a um, chronological ordered thing. Maybe for some of you, it's all of them. But maybe for some of you, there's just one thing that God's like, hey, this, this is where I want you to step in to follow me in this because I'm good. So we're just going to take a moment um, and just ask, what is he wanting you to step into today to walk closer with him? Just take a moment to do that. Father God, we, we thank you and we praise you for the example that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Just how he walked this earth with love and grace, empowered by you in everything that he did. God, and that is, that is my desire, is that that is who we would be, those to walk so close in step with you, that everything we say, everything that we do, is an outpouring of your spirit, of your love and your grace. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would bless them, that you'd fill them to overflowing, that they would walk in step with your spirit as an inseparable companion, a close friend, that guide, the counselor. Day by day, moment by moment, we need you. We can't do it on our own. And we thank you that you have sent help. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.